the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, November 14th, 2022. I am Seth Leapson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. That's 602-5080-960. I know everyone has their take as to why Republican victories were not more substantial, and they all have something to them. I'm still stunned at how this nation reacts to things general and reacts to things specific. Take COVID for a moment. There's a general sense from the COVID hysterics that they may not have been quite right now, whether on masks, school closures, or vaccines or vaccine mandates. There is the claim or wish for amnesty and forgiveness on all that. The Atlantic Monthly was pushing this just last month, and notably the president of the National Education Association was retweeting favorably on it as well. I was stunned throughout the COVID experience. It should have been a major wake-up call about how easy it was to put the most educated, the most advanced, the most easily to access information from anywhere generation the world has ever known, to put them all in an apocalyptic panic. I'm stunned, too, that those who were speaking for calm and not losing their heads over this were vilified and disparaged, called idiots called responsible for mass death. I'm stunned because for generations we used to venerate the calm and measured, whether in the poems of Rudyard Kipling, throughout the Bible, or even Mr. Rogers. Instead, with all this advancement in technology and access to knowledge, we are more easily panicked. We have divided, excuse me, we have dived in academic achievement. We use more psychoactive drugs, and we have lower life expectancy. I'm still stunned we took an aberrant action in Minneapolis and led a nationwide self-denunciation that included riots and riots that were justified over it. Aberration, yes, an aberration. The year of George Floyd's death, a total of 18 black people without a weapon and without any more information either, were killed by police. Eighteen. Ten more than that were killed in the rioting aftermath. At least 28, again, justified, if not buried or ignored or sanitized, as mostly peaceful. I'm stunned that a country that claimed en masse that Black Lives Matter could ignore or silence anyone who wanted to talk about the nearly 10,000 other black people that were senselessly killed that year, about 9,000 of which were killed by members of the same race. We turned ourselves upside down over the 18 and ignored the 10,000 and created almost 30 more. I'm stunned we impeached a president over a foreign policy telephone call to the president of Ukraine, a president heralded a hero by so many today, who then, at the time, said he saw and heard nothing wrong with the telephone call in the first place. And quickly, does anyone recall what the issue in that telephone call was? assistance in investigating Hunter Biden's corrupt activities. Quickly again, is there a Republican or Democrat alive who doesn't think Hunter is even more corrupt 
now than assumed he was then? I'm stunned we censored a story and labeled Russian misinformation the documentation of his corruption. Documentation nobody today doubts. And here will be one of the most stunning things still. How many people, especially the young cohort everyone says voted so strongly for Democrats, how many of them do you think know anything about the above that I just stated? You've heard my thesis on this. We've been geared towards panic. Soft America invading hard America. Two generations of college students needing safe spaces, not over real violence, but over ideas they do not like. Ideas that were respectable and mainstream only a generation ago and are still ideas the majority of Americans hold or close to majorities of Americans hold. Two generations of a politics in a society trained to believe the worst and that America is not great and strong, but evil and deserving of harm, deserving of punishment. Donald Trump wasn't merely wrong or conservative. He was Hitler. Conservative speakers and writers aren't conservative speakers or writers, much less intellects. They are fascists and racists. Republican policies aren't bad. They are existential threats to America and American democracy. We've ramped and revved up the analogies and metaphors beyond reason, so we're conditioned to think and believe the worst. The Joker, or Joker, is a movie people can see as more realistic and generalized than, I don't know, Jaws, which showed an anomaly, let's say. Simply put, you cannot graduate 7 million college and high school students every year for 30 to 40 years, drenched and soaked in socialist and Marxist thought, and expect no or minimal effect. The beat poet Allen Ginsberg was right. They will get us through our children. Professor Mark Bauerline gets it. He writes this in the Epic Times, quote, Generation Z may turn out more woke than the millennials themselves, who supplied most of the troops for the woke revolution as it spread across campuses and into the streets from 2015 forward. It isn't hard to explain. The celebrities young Americans follow, the singers, athletes, Internet stars and actors all voice the leftist take with near unanimity. And the kids think it's cool. The tools Gen Zers wield and the social media they consume reinforce the message to the point of coercion. I remember in the 1990s, he writes, web cheerleaders and libertarians were hailing digital technology as a glorious guarantee of individualism and debate and dissent. Everyone will have a voice, they cried, and the public square will be more vibrant and diverse than ever. But the opposite happened. The web turned into a surveillance and tattletale zone and cancel culture took off. Gen Z has never known anything different. Never. They have no living memory of life before the iPhone. They will be the most conformist cohort in American history, already favoring cancellation more than any other age group. And politics will be a primary mode of their grouping. Education should have counteracted the blunt and stupid messages of youth culture teaching students such things as the scientific method, the First Amendment, and philosophy, all of which break the grip of wokeness. But they didn't get the proper enlightenment in their general education classes. The professors who crafted the courses and graded their work run more than 10 to 1 Democrat, 90% Democrat. On some campuses, in fact, there are zero Republicans on the faculty at all. 
and the professors act upon their leanings, holding back the materials that disrupt the progressivist narratives of victims and oppressors. Let me add this. We only two years ago woke up to the fact that this was not just a college phenomenon. It was an elementary and secondary phenomenon, a K-12 phenomenon as well, starting as low and early as in preschool. And if you want irony, here it is. We lived, evidently, through four years of a fascist president, and yet all of this was happening under this fascist, including Democrats gaining more and more support and votes until this year, last week, when he was no longer in power and Republicans gained six million votes over Democrats. Explain how that kind of fascism works to me. It doesn't really matter. We are talking about an age cohort that has no clue as to what it means, other than it should be something we don't like. This is an age cohort, 56% of which can't identify what Auschwitz is, and 41% of which have a positive view of socialism, and 54% of which have a negative view of capitalism. To repeat, you can't spend 30 years of graduating 7 million high school and college students a year drenching them in socialism and Marxism, and expect it not to have an effect. Candidates that knew what they were talking about and were willing to take this on did well. They spoke to verities and serious eternals, not temporary economic problems. They spoke to the culture and about our children. Why did candidates like Amy Carney or Karen Werner win their school board seats in Scottsdale with a turnout 13 points higher than those voting for the race in the U.S. Senate here in Arizona. Does anyone recall what made J.D. Vance famous in the first place? It was a book on the drug crisis in America. Does anyone recall what made Ron DeSantis famous? Opposing lockdowns, opposing critical race theory, opposing the sexualization of our children in schools. Ohio, where J.D. Vance was victorious, is the classic bellwether state. His win was not small. It was seven points. DeSantis won by 19 points. Four years ago, it was within a point. The greatest threat to our youth today is illegal drug poisonings. Those deaths more than doubled in the past three years. Now, tell me one candidate you heard speak about it. Now, tell me a parent, however, that doesn't. Then there's the curiosity of Arizona. It's not that curious to me. Everywhere I speak, people still tell me we are a center-right country. Well, part of the country is, but not all of it. We can focus on unfairness. We can float theories and proofs of fraud, and they cannot be ignored. But they cannot take precedence or take on more importance than asking the seriously self-reflective question, why don't more people see the obvious? Why do they like leftism? Why do they not like our X or Y candidate? Maybe just because we think they're good doesn't mean other people easily or readily agree with us in thinking the same thing. I've been stunned listening to some of my fellow conservatives saying the age of Reagan is over or rehashed Reaganism is no longer relevant. Really? Why? I don't understand how rock-ribbed cultural conservatism with a smile and cheer that won 49 states is so dismissible. He opened his career 
talking about the import of focusing on our children and teaching them the right things about this country and not the wrong things. And he closed his career the very same way. He revived patriotism and he revived the Republican Party. People wanted to experiment with something else, particularly on temporary matters rather than durable and permanent ones. So the left focus on the culture and the children, while we said it didn't matter, they didn't matter, and they changed the direction of the country over time. Consider what may be the most important thing I say today, or the most important thing I have observed. In those days, not that long ago, if you questioned someone's patriotism, you were scolded and denounced. It was deemed offensive. Today, to say you are a patriot is what gets vilified and causes offense. Think about that turn in our culture and our politics. I haven't said it in a while. I used to say it a lot. I think it's worth repeating just now, right now. You may not be interested in political philosophy, but it is interested in you. It's either man's second oldest faith or man's oldest faith that is going to govern us. Those are our choices. We can do Marxism and try to change nature, including human nature, or we can understand the constellation of human nature in our vast ecosystem and venerate equality and liberty and be humbled before it. We can do frenzy or we can do calm. We used to understand all this. We cannot, however, remove our most vital organs and expect their functions. We cannot castrate and build the geldings be fruitful. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, our friends at Y-Refi have a solution. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market? A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principle if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You are paid monthly, and there are no fees. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. It's investing and doing well by doing good, thanks to Y-Refi, who is offering, as I say, an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10 and a quarter percent. A due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. That's 888-Y-REFI-34. You can visit them, too. They're based here locally. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. We're going to, uh, with Joe Biden meeting with uh, Xi Jinping, Jesse Johnson over at the Japan Times write, the White House pool reporter says the pool TV producer called out to Biden at the end of his opening remarks with the Xi meeting asking whether US, the U.S. president could raise human rights during the talks. Instantly, a man from the Chinese side yanked the producer backwards by the backpack, and the producer stumbled and was escorted out. Um, normalized relations. What's Dennis Prager's rule? You want normalized relations? Be a normal country. To them, this is normal. To them, this is normal. Um, 
Let me go back to politics. We'll get to China in a bit. Brandon uh, Weikert's going to join us. He has an important piece over at American Greatness on the topic. But, um, you know, I listening to talk radio today, um, it's hard to escape all this discussion about what happened, whose fault it is. Um, it still looks like we're going to take the House. What's interesting to me is how we are allowing, we, the Republicans, are allowing the Democrats to take these victory laps. Elizabeth Warren was taking one today. She's crediting Joe Biden for all of all of, um, all of the stability in maintaining the Senate. I'd love to know what you all think, uh, why you all think the red wave that you expected didn't materialize. I'd love to know what you all think uh, in the fight, uh, internecine fight between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. I'd love to know what you all think Donald Trump is going to say tomorrow night. Most of the speculation is he's going to announce for president. Maybe, maybe Um, if you listen to Laura Trump today, that's what it looks like, too. She's uh, counseling that Ron DeSantis stay out of it. You read these tea leaves. That's where it looks like it's going. However, this is really interesting. On Twitter, um, one uh, one of the uh, one of the analysts from Rumble, I guess from Rumble, is that who is that? Yeah, Rumble. is keeping tabs on those who are separating themselves from Donald Trump, have publicly either said so or tweeted as much. It's an interesting list. It's a really interesting list. People who have separated themselves from Trump over the last week. Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Tim Poole, Mike Cernovich, Will Kane, Jesse Kelly, Guy Benson, Will Chamberlain, Winsome Sears, Steve Crowder, Officer Tatum, Matt Couch, Steve Gruber, and Matt Walsh. It's not everyone, but it's not nothing either. Um, I would I would love to know I would love to know what you think of this fight. I know that it benefits the Democrats right now. I know it helps serve their interests in maintaining that Joe Biden is the hero of last week. And I'm just not so sure they have bragging rights. Something changed. Something changed. It looks like it's the House of Representatives, and it changed from Democrat to Republican. The victory was slight, but it's a victory. The gavel the Speaker of the House carries is not dependent on whether it was achieved by one vote or 20 votes. We may have overpromised. I will remind That as recently as only two months ago, things move very fast here and memories fade. As recently as only two months ago, I don't remember really anyone, including the leadership of the Republican Party, saying that the U.S. Senate was going to flip for Republicans. Two months ago, they weren't. I think we might have gotten a little drunk with our own pre-celebrations. What's that old line like to quote? The old Buddhist line, when you jump for joy, make sure no one's removing the ground from beneath you. All right. Uh, We have a few callers on hold. Bear with me. We will get to you. And there's always room for more at 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He is a host of his own radio show heard right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. He took some time off last week. We are uh, feeling better knowing that you're back on Terra Cognita. John, welcome home, and thanks for being with us as always. Thank you. I'm ready. All right. Big story on the economy and the culture is something a lot of people may not have heard of, and it's FTX, FTX. the Sam Bankman-Fried situation. Mm -hmm. What is this? Well, it's, again, cryptocurrency. We've talked about Mm -hmm. this off and on for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been a lot of hype in the uh, area of of cryptocurrencies, so many, many different uh, cryptocurrencies. Of course, Bitcoin was the one that... Uh, maybe most people uh, would recognize, uh-huh. and it's pretty much been more of a, a standard. It's a little bit more easy to track Bitcoin than some of these other uh, cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, yes, FTX. Uh, this was, and this this um, person, Bankman Fried, he was actually the richest, the youngest billionaire, I guess, in the world uh, at one time. Huh. But that has changed awful quickly. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Uh, with the company uh, claiming bankruptcy at this point, uh, in a very short period of time, it just happened extremely uh, suddenly. And I think as we get deeper and deeper into this, uh, Seth, you're going to find uh, some misappropriation, most likely, of funds. He has been a donor to uh, you know uh, many of the uh, Democratic uh, uh, leaders in Washington. And uh, lawmakers, and and this could be a real, uh, it could be an interesting investigation. As uh, is you know, this Bernard they, Madoff level stuff? Well, you know what's interesting about it, and it's it's hard to say. It's yeah. so early in okay. this, but uh-huh. what was really interesting is this. Here you go, Bernie Mer- Bernie Madoff was friends with the uh, you know the SEC yeah. uh, uh-huh. people. He uh-huh. was friends with all of the bigwigs. Oh yeah, and he was doing these things. Um, just uh, unbelievable, yeah. right in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and nothing was ever... Hiding in plain sight, yeah, they called it. basically. Right, right. Now, is this a similar type of an arrangement where this is a person who was very heavily involved in uh, donating uh, money to certain uh, people in Washington? Uh, was that a way for people to just look the other way? Was that a people maybe to actually make money yeah. on this cryptocurrency? We don't know any of that. I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone. Uh, but it is awful suspicious that something as big as a company like this could have such a problem uh, and the, and it could fall apart so quickly without anyone realizing that it was happening. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting if indeed the SEC does an extreme thorough investigation and gets to the bottom of where the money has gone yeah. because – Billions of dollars are, uh, you know, going to be lost, and many, many, many people are going to lose a lot of money. Unfortunately, is crypto investing um, is it regulated to the same degree that the S? Is it part of? It's not. It's not no, SEC because it's not, not really all. a security, right? Not at all. It yeah. is not. And you know, Congress uh, they've been calling for regulatory, uh, you know, guidance on these things and trying to get some type of legislation. Uh, into place, and it's not going to happen this year, but it's very possible that uh, next year we might be seeing some forms of legislation passed regulating this type of, this industry in general. Uh, but uh, it's it's difficult because many believe it's just, uh, you know, it's nothing. It's, 
There's nothing backing yeah. cryptocurrency. Yeah. There's no dollar backing it. There's there's zero backing. So um, I've I've mentioned this to you know on the radio before. If you're going to invest in cryptocurrencies, be prepared to lose everything. Don't put all of your money in one basket. You know, a lot of the uh, sports people yeah. were getting paid in yeah. Bitcoin uh-huh. or in cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. They were promoting cryptocurrencies. Uh, and uh, you're going to start to probably see a lot of people, a lot of these uh, major um, sports figures, as well as uh, maybe some Hollywood figures, um, probably not too happy about. Yeah, where this it reminds me going. that's that's what's so similar to the Madoff thing is yeah. how many people you would look at and say, man, they should have known better, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, and, and you know, I'm not saying that people are greedy, but right, right, it's very possible that you know you start to see these dollar signs and all of this money that supposedly is being made. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's almost like a Ponzi scheme, you know. You're paying Peter to, you know, taking from Peter to pay Paul, and uh, one day there's not enough that you could get out of Peter anymore. Uh, John, I want to flag an issue. Uh, we 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 do culture and econ- I have a mm-hmm. I have a I have an interesting intersection between the culture and economy. I want to flag for you for maybe another visit, another time, or maybe next week, or whenever you want. You sure. you let me know. But I'm going to bet you that. Um, the next really big issue is the issue of people not working, not wanting to work. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing more and more articles. There are half a million fewer workers in their early 20s working or actively seeking a job now versus before the pandemic. The issue of work. I bet it's going to be a big one in the culture and economy. A I really would imagine it's going to be. I'd love to talk about oh, it. All right. Good, 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 All good. Right. All right. Let's just plant that flag and, flag and I'll let you uh, go out however you are supposed to. Sounds good. Securities and advisory services offered to Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Fenrin Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. 602-508-0960. Anything on the election? Anything that you expect from Donald Trump tomorrow night? Anything you want. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Bingo Reverse Mortgage. With inflation slamming retirees and throwing retirement budgets into chaos, it's at a 40-year high. The dollar not going as far as it did just months ago, with gas prices sky high and grocery prices increasing over 13% since this summer and a recession on the horizon. Aging adults are struggling to make ends meet. A reverse mortgage could be the safety net you need to get through these hard times by allowing you to convert the equity in your home into cash. A reverse mortgage from Bingo could put more money in your pocket for living expenses, help you fight inflation, make your investments last longer, and give you the security in your retirement that you deserve. Call the veteran-owned and veteran staff Bingo team at 928-277-4476. That's 928-277-4476. Yep right here in Arizona, or visit BingoReverseMortgage.com. That's BingoReverseMortgage.com. Tell them you heard about them from me and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. Mark is in Cave Creek. Thank you for your patience, sir. Welcome. Thanks for taking my call, Seth. Of course. Uh, well, you know, initially about this election, the <laughs> I'm reminded of Mark Twain's words to the effect of, if voting really made a difference, do you think they'd let us do it? Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's well, made... And, yeah, okay. All right. Go with that. As Bob Newhart would say, that, would you like to go with that thought? 
Well, it just it it it, it reminds me of another author's work, a modern author. Uh, I'll spell your spare of the details, but essentially he was riffing on the the big lie idea, uh, asserting that. Uh, the easiest lie to convince people of is something that they're afraid might be true. Okay. And I think that speaks to your question about uh, how do we feel about the so-called lack of a red wave mm-hmm. uh, from this last election. Yeah. You know, I, I'm certainly afraid that the tide is still flowing the wrong direction mm-hmm. uh, for the future of our economy, our country, mm-hmm. our way of life. Mm-hmm. Um I am too. And, I am too. Uh, there are. I'll tell you what a big mystery was to me. I'll tell you a big mystery to me, and then you, 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 I'd love your your thought on this, Mark. Um, up until I don't know three weeks before the election, there wasn't a lot of big red wave talk. It, it really seemed to be coming in the last, you know, less than a month, but almost a month is when we started talking that way, and really only uh, aggressively in the last two weeks. Um, and, and, and one of the interesting things about this is if you looked at the individual races, they were all really close. The polling was really close. For example, um, I don't know if there ever was a poll where Blake Masters was ahead. I don't know that there was. Pretty sure there wasn't. If there was one, there was only one, and it would have been by only a little, like half a point maybe. The Kerry Lake uh, polling had her up, but not really ever much more than three, I don't think. Not on average. These are narrow, narrow grounds. And that's just Arizona. So while we were predicting a big red wave, you looked at these individual races. Everything was looking quite close. But more, more than that, more than that, the question is, why was it so damn close in those polling? Why was the polling so damn close? Why were we thinking that this nation would speak with one loud roar uh, when every poll was showing things so narrow? And why were things, why were the polls so narrow when everyone was living in the same environment that you and I were? Everyone was coming out of COVID. Everyone was watching the COVID shutdowns. Everyone was watching the education uh, scores going uh, into a deep dive. Everyone was watching the mental health crisis explode. Everyone was watching the economy implode. Why were they so narrow? Why were those polls, even if the election hadn't been held, Mark, what explains the narrowness of the polling? Yeah, perhaps the flip side of the of the coin I just mentioned, uh, things that we hoped would be true. I wonder. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. No. Well, well, we certainly hoped that normalcy and common sense would reign. Is that what you mean? I mean, that's what I. You, yes, sir. You, you know, you hope that this country has antibodies that kick in after a while, right? <laughs> that we have yeah. our own. Yeah, we have our own vaccinations, right? That work <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That the antibodies yeah. will kick in, but. But does it not? I mean, people are loath to agree with me on this, and I'm loath to say it, but I, I have a hard time concluding otherwise. Does it not tell you that no matter darn gosh what, this is a very left-wing country, or at least much more left-wing, so much so that never mind the potential, the potential of Katie Hobbs as governor, Fetterman is going to be a senator. I mean, what explains this? Yeah, I, other I've than seen, other than they really hate Republicans. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a large part of it, and the media uh, certainly has their hand on that particular valve. Yeah, but I've seen 
comparisons of left versus right, where we have the framers of the Constitution as very slightly right of center, and everyone else, GOP and everyone, slightly left or further left of center. Explain you know, that one to me. I'm not sure I follow. Do that again for me. Absolutist about it. Well, you know, uh, just in the sense of authoritarianism versus liberalism uh-huh. in the classic sense, Okay. Uh, the framers were very much original thinkers. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. we very much are exper- an experiment in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And how much of human nature wants to be told what to do, yeah. wants to be given lines within which to live. Yeah, 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 yeah. The desire for a nanny state, in other words, the the desire yes, to sir. be taken care of. Uh, and, the, and, you know, there is something to be said too, about, you know, declining marriage rates and more attachment to the government as your source of stability or your source of protection, right? Not so much individualism, not so much risk, not so much rugged, but safe, abundances of caution, safe, stable government, right? A nice, safe frying pan over a very (laughs) well-moderated fire. (laughs) I might be able to get behind that thought, Mark. Yeah. Um, But it was a long time coming. I mean, it wasn't always this way. It just wasn't. And and I think what we Republicans or conservatives have to come to grips with is that's where we are now. You know, say what you want about election interference. Say what you want about anything else. We may just have to be prepared that we're not as liked as we think we should be. I don't want to be a fatalist. I really don't. I but I've started to think in terms of, uh, to misquote another old saying, Rome did not fall in a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't. And this one was maybe a generation. All right, Mark. Thank you, sir. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We're talking about uh, just about everything. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Lisa's in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, um, I was just telling your screener that I heard a woman from uh, Michigan call into a talk show, and she said, all you heard was Gretchen Whitmer. And especially between football games or before football games, she would have a message. You didn't hear Tudor Dixon, the Mm. Republican running for governor, Mm. until a week or two, maybe three weeks before the election. Mm. There was no money involved. Mm. They didn't send, the Republican Party didn't send money. But, you know, I got, for the first time in my life, I got text messages from the Republicans that are running to send them money. Yes. And I just, send them some but that's never happened before so is mitch mcconnell just chintzy about you know it's an interesting question and you know the the thought on mitch mcconnell and the money issue might be a little more complicated than we think it may not be as we had thought um i don't know if you're familiar with mark Thiessen. you see him on fox news a bunch he's He's as conservative as they get, um, and he um, he's a great analyst. He's a great reporter. Uh, he's on he's I, I think he's on our t- on our side. I, I, I wouldn't have any hesitation in saying that. And um, he wrote this up, and I think we probably need to 
we probably need to wrap our hands and heads around this. It's not comfortable, but it's um, it's uh, identifiable. Through his super PAC, the Senate Leadership Fund, and other groups, Senator Mitch McConnell had led an extraordinary quarter of a billion dollar effort to rescue struggling Senate candidates. The former president, Donald Trump, raised $92 million in his war chest, Mark says, and spent almost none of it. McConnell-aligned super PACs, including the Senate Leadership Fund, American Crossroads, and the Faith and Power PAC, spent $238 million in seven key Senate races. Donald Trump spent $14.8 million. To put that in perspective, um, Donald Trump's spending across the country was less than McConnell's in any individual race in which these candidates were involved. Um, There's a lot more to this. For example, uh, McConnell put in $32 million for the J.D. Vance race. Um, Donald Trump put in how much? How much did he do it? Um, six point nine million uh, at best. Nope, I'm wrong. Two point three million. Race six point nine off the race. Donald Trump put in two point three. Mitch McConnell thirty two million. And you can look at a lot of other races where this was true. North Carolina, Pennsylvania. McConnell put in fifty seven million. Trump put in Trump's pack put in three point four. I don't know that this is McConnell being stubborn with his money. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.